Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. We are here to magnify his holy name. God bless you. Thank you guys for being here, worshiping with us on today. Do me a favor real quickly while you're resting on your feet. Go with me to the gospel according to John chapter 21. If you were here last week, you should have went home and read it, knowing that for the next few weeks we'll be sticking in the gospel according to John 21. For all of our first-time guests, we say thank you for being here with us. Thank you for worshiping with us. Bobby and the crew, y'all do what y'all do. Thank you so much for ushering the Spirit of God in this place on today. Those who are watching online, we are also grateful for you. You are part of our family, and we want you to know that. And we so while we're in here saying amen, thank you, Jesus, y'all just heart it up, thumb it up, tell everybody online God is doing something amazing, and we will be so grateful for you doing so. Amen? Listen, do me a favor. Gospel according to John. I want to read a few verses for you. Find me in verse 15 while you're finding it. Say, Father God. I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen, amen. John chapter 21, verse 15. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. It reads such as this. So when they had finished breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. Verse 16, he says to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord on today. We started a series off that is designed to be a game-changing series for here at Believer City. Being a young church, a growing church, we wanted to make sure with all the new faces and people are coming to church, we wanted to make sure people uh, knew who Believer City was, what Believer City stood for, and how to get involved and engaged with Believer City. And so we started this series called The Journey, which the hopes that after we finish this series, it will be our church assimilation process. We will be able to break it down, put it into handbooks, and let people know that when you come, hey, this is what Believer City stands for. We wanted to make sure that nobody feels lost or alone when they join our fellowship. And so we took for granted that we were young and people were coming. And so we want to be able to close that back door. We believe that this series put into a handout will be exactly what we need to do to do that. It will be able to close the back door. It would also be the series that helps people become the disciples that God wants us to be because we come to understand that salvation is not the same as discipleship. Once you accept Jesus Christ, God bless you. Amen. It's amazing. And that's a great thing if you're going to die within the next 30 minutes. Then you don't have to worry about anything. You've given your life to Christ and you are ushered straight on in. We know that you're straight. But for those who 
God sees fit to let us remain after we have said yes to Christ, there is work still to be done. And as a result of that, then that's where discipleship comes in. Because if we can be honest as saints, we ain't got it all together. We have problems. We have issues. And the thing is that the devil wants to use those problems and issues to make you think that you're not worthy, you're not good enough, or that you cannot be utilized for what God wants you to do. And that's why this series is so important, because we took the time to start with week one, the journey to believe, to tell you about as a believer, what do we believe in with the Trinity, the baptism, and how things move forward from that aspect, and to understand who God is and how God functions, why God has to represent himself in three different facets for humanity as a creator, as a redeemer, as a guider, and what we understand about the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. We took time to do that. I would love to talk about it again, but thank God for technology. Go to YouTube, go to the Facebook app, whatever it is that you want to do, that message is there waiting on you. Then we jumped to week two and left the series of believing to understand what it means to belong because every believer who has given up a life of sin needs a new community. They need a new fellowship because we want to be a part of something new. We want to be a part of a new environment. You don't put new wine in an old wine skin. And so you cannot necessarily put the new believer in the same old situations. Things will take place. They will go back. As old saints would call it, they will backslide on you. Things will go south. And so we want to encourage people that when they give their life to Christ, you need to join a fellowship. You need to be a part of a church. Doesn't mean that Believer City has to be that church, but you need to find a church that you fit with, that you want to make sure that this is a place where I can grow. I'm getting the word of God. And so we talked about what it means to be a part of a fellowship, the responsibilities of being a part of fellowship, how the most important thing above everything, above the children's ministry, above the band, above the worship is the word of God. You got to make sure it's sound doctrine being preached at that church and delivered because if the word ain't right, your life ain't going to be right. And so we took time to express that and how important fellowship is. But then we went from believing to belonging to also becoming because we come to understand that when the process of giving your life to Christ, although you are a new creature, you still got some old habits. There are some things about you that has to change. This is why when somebody tests you, you look at them and say, God is still working on me. You better watch yourself because there's a process of becoming. We are not yet butterflies. We are still caterpillars, and there are processes of becoming. We're going through our transition. We know the disciples themselves who walk with Jesus that saw the miracles firsthand. They didn't have it all together. Even on the day when Jesus was ready to be crucified, Peter was cutting a man ear, ready to try to fight. It was just, it wasn't going to be, he still had gutter getaways. It's just that simple. And so we have processes that we have to change about ourselves. And so we talked about this thing called discipleship, how important it is to learn, live, love, and lead. We went through that whole thing. That's online as well. Then last week, we started this series as it relates to the journey, the journey to begin, because we wanted to talk about the struggles of a believer. And I wanted to run through this series. I wanted to hurry up and get it over, but God would not allow it. So we ended up having to extend the series three more weeks and broke it down because there are three major struggles that every believer deals with. And we understand what those struggles are. We defined those struggles on last week. We talked about them. They all begin with an S because, you know, I'm part Baptist, so I got to give you my three points with my S. And we have these issues that we have, and those issues that we have as believers is that we struggle to sow, we struggle to serve, and we struggle to share. 
We struggle to give. That's the sowing aspect. And we talked about that on last week and how important it is to give. And we talked about it from a point to make sure that you understand it has nothing to do with your money. It has everything to do with your heart. Are you willing to trust God with the things that matter to you most? We come to understand that it's impossible for us as believers to get to a point where we can trust God in our marriages, to trust God with our finances and all these different elements of our lives if we cannot trust God with something that really doesn't matter. Yes, money buys things, but the reality is it's just paper. If you don't believe it's just paper, ask the people who print them stimulus checks that we all cash. It was just paper. They gave it to us to keep the economy going, and it's great. Nothing wrong with it. I spent it just like you spent it. Thank God for it. But at the end of the day, when all else is gone, God outstands the paper. We've seen currency change over years, centuries, decades. We've seen things look different, but God outstands the paper. When money as paper doesn't make any sense and a new cryptocurrency takes over, God will outstand all of those things. And so why is it that we struggle with just sowing a seed to God? And so the men, we spent time on this past Wednesday during Bible study expanding on that struggle and how Cain and Abel had different uh, reactions from God because Cain didn't give God right. Abel did give God right. And we understood that Abel's life, he felt bad about himself. He felt bad about the process. And his willingness not to share with God what he was supposed to share led to him being willing to kill his own brother. Which lets us to understand that one of the things, the tools of why God wants us to give is because it teaches us how to not allow things to control us when God should control us. There are some issues that we have as it relates to sin. The reason why we haven't overcome those elements of sin, because we never knew, we never learned how to release those things to God. Giving teaches you how to release those things to God, the things that you care about, how to give that to God so that you can overcome those things. So those things can no longer have control over you. So hopefully last week, some of us learned how important it is to have a life that allows us to give and grow because giving leads to growing. You're not living until you can start a life that's giving. That's what we come to understand. And so today, we're dealing with the second struggle that every believer has. It's the second thing that I hate talking about, but I have to talk about it. Uh, y'all let me make it on last week. I'm still here. Y'all didn't throw tomatoes at me or anything. And so I, I have confidence in to talk about the second struggle that we have as believers. The second struggle that we have as believers is that we struggle to serve. That is the second struggle that we have as believers. There's never enough people willing to serve God. And today, that's what I want to talk to you about. Because I believe that when we learn to serve God, then it gives us the strength to live for God. When we learn to serve God, it gives us the strength to live for God. Um, when you join the army, before you actually go to, to, to the battlefield... You go to this thing called basic training. You go to basic training, and in basic training, uh, they cut your hair. They, they put you in a certain uniform. You got to wear certain things. You, you don't get to talk to your family for a period of time. And what they do during this process is they develop you so that you have the skills that are needed when you go to the battlefield. They said, in this period of time, I want to give you exactly, exactly what you need that if you don't get anything else during this process and you have to go to war, that you'll know what you need to do. You'll know what the different codes mean. You'll be in shape physically. You'll know how to shoot a rifle. You'll know what division you're supposed to be in. What are you good at? What is your skills? You'll have all of those things. This is basic training. After basic training, then they'll uh, put you with your battalion where you're supposed to go to get further growth and further development. But you don't go straight from shopping at, at Redbird Mall to being in a battalion. It don't happen like that. 
you have to go through basic training. It's, it's just what happens. And so the reason why I use this analogy is because I want you to understand is that you don't go from being at the club, wobbling with it or whatever that you used to do, to go straight out to the world and prophesying and telling people that Jesus is going to change your life. It just doesn't happen like that. There's an element of training that has to take place in your life. And that training is discipleship, is growth. But I want to suggest today that the more that you serve God within the church, the more you can live for God on the outside of the church. That's what I want to suggest today, that the reason why it's so important for you to be active and serving in a church is so that when you're out Outside of the church, you can have these tools that you need to lead and live by an example in the world for the kingdom of God. That's why it's so important to serve. But I come to understand why many of us struggle with serving. We always use the excuse, we, man, I just don't have enough time. I work this time, and I get off at this time, and I just can't make it. Uh, we use the excuse, well, I only get one day off, and I can't do that. I just need my time to rest. We, we use the excuse that I'm not good at it. Nobody, nobody's going to allow me to do this or such and such. We have every excuse why we will not serve. But if I can be honest with you, there's only one reason that any of us won't serve. We don't love it enough. The only reason that any of us as a believer will not serve is because we don't love it enough. You go to a job that you hate to go to, but you love the money that you get paid for doing your job. You love it enough to wake up on time, clock in, drive across town just to go to work. You love it enough. You love it enough to go hang out with your boo, even though they get on your nerves sometimes, but you love it enough. I don't care how tired you are after work, y'all going to go eat shells and tails, whatever it is, you're going to do it. Why? Because you Love it enough. Anything that you care about, you're willing to serve. That's just the bottom line. If you really care about it, you're willing to serve. You're willing to put in the work to get things done. And so what I want to suggest is our desire to serve is directly tied to our decision to love. That's the bottom line. The only reason, the only way that we're going to serve is if we willingly say that, you know what, God, I've made a decision that I love you this much that I'm going to give in to you. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. First thing I want to make sure that you understand in this place today, this message has nothing to do with just the church. This message should be able to bless your life on your job. It should be able to bless your life in your marriage. It should be able to bless your life in school. Because if you don't love it, you won't do what you're supposed to do to make it grow. I learned this for myself because I went to marriage counseling early on in my marriage, and they have this book talking about the five love languages. I don't know if any of you have read it. And the five love languages, acts of service, quality time, uh, gifts, uh, words of affirmation, and physical touch. All of these love languages. So I went to this counseling session. You know how we do it, fellas. We don't even really want to go talk to nobody, but we'll go. You know what I mean? You want to start. So I went and talked, and they went to telling me all these things. And, and instantly, when uh, the man was talking to us, and I was there with my wife, and he was saying, yeah, I know, I know what her I know she wants quality time, but I can't do all that because time is money. I got to be on my hustle. I got to be on my grind all the time. Time is money. And so I understood what my wife's love language is. I understood that my wife's love language is quality time. But when I left there, even though I had a definition of her love language, I did not do her love language. Having a definition of her love language, knowing how she wants to be loved, does not mean that I love her. Quality time perplexes my DNA. It bothers me. My dad raised me to be a hustler. He raised me to have multiple jobs to grind. That's how he raised me. And so 
I always understand there's not enough time, and the only time that I have left, I got to use it to sleep because I got to get right back to work and make something else happen. So I don't have time to sit on the couch, hold your hand, and watch Netflix. It's just not my DNA. That doesn't pay me. It doesn't keep the lights on. It doesn't allow the water to flow through here. It doesn't, it doesn't make things happen. That's just not who I am. So I'm not a quality time type of person. But what I've come to understand is that when I say I love her, it means that I'm going to give her what she needs to make sure that she's complete. I want to make sure that you understand. There are husbands and wives that knows what their spouse needs to make sure they're complete. I can testify about it because this week my wife went on strike and she did not clean the house. And it bothered me. Um, I made it the first three days before I realized that something was not right in her life and that she was not going to help us. And, and, and so, and so I, I began to have to be daddy mom. It was, I went into the bathroom and cleaned the stuff off the sink and, and had to clean the toilets. And boys at, at Isaiah age just don't aim straight. And so I was like, I need to pull the Cheerios out and make some things happen. We got to figure this thing out. And, and it got so frustrating to me that it was like I started unscrewing the seat, taking the top off. Look, come in here. Let me show you how to clean the toilet. Look at all this. It should not be like this. Such I just went into overdrive, and I'm looking at her like, you is not going to help me through this process. And so I cleaned the the sink, and I got the noodles off the counter, and then this is what started to happen. Every morning, I walked out the house getting ready for work. I walked by their room before they leave. I said, I better not come home in that bathroom dirty. I'm telling you right now, because I started caring about it because I started being involved in it. I knew that if I had to go back and do it again, it was going to be problematic for my life. And, and, And so I love my wife enough that I never want her to go on strike again so I had to do something about it I had to I had to put in the service my love is a direct result of me understanding that I've made a decision to serve what she needs knowing what needs to happen does not negate the fact that you should make it happen. I mean, even to the point where it perplexes her and bothers her. She tells me, oh, the house is dirty. I'm like, you know what? There's some people looking for jobs. Why don't we hire a, na- a nanny to come in and a maid and take care of it? And she just looks at me like, who you think you is? You ain't got it like that. She makes sure that I understand. All you got to do is just pick up after yourself. Just do your part. I knew I did my part when she started smiling and and hiding and taking pictures of me doing stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm doing good. Everything is straight. All all is well. I knew I did my part, and it made me feel good about myself. It made me feel like I had accomplished something, like I had completed something. And then she started helping, but guess what I never stopped doing? I never stopped. I kept saying, y'all better make sure it's clean. Isaiah, you want to play that video game? If that room's not clean, if you ain't going to play that game. She stopped having to do it by herself, and I was able to do it with her. It became a little easier for me, but I had to start somewhere. I want to help you understand that many of you struggle with living for God outside of these walls because you have not started serving him inside of these walls. You have not understood what it means to, to serve. And this is the thing about serving. Serving, uh, being a football coach, being a part of football, we teach our kids practice makes perfect. That's what we understand. Practice makes perfect. You, you try it, you do it, and then you can perfect it. There are things that you have to do within a church. It's like that Mr. Miyagi effect when they was telling him to wax the car, wax on, wax off, and then he got all beside himself understanding, why are you telling me to wax on, wax off? You ain't doing nothing kicking bucket. And Mr. Miyagi started throwing them punches and them jabs at him, and he was waxing on and waxing off. You don't understand how it functions until you start going through basic training. You have to go through a process of saying that I want to be used and I want to be developed. Why do I talk to you about this? Because Simon Peter was not ready to go and share the gospel on his own. 
How do we know that Simon Peter was not ready to share the gospel on his own? Man, he walked with Jesus. He talked to Jesus. He seen people here. He actually did a few miracles on his own. How do we know that he was not ready to share the gospel? Had you forgotten that just before this that Jesus Christ was crucified, he died on the cross, he rose, but in that process in between, Jesus told him, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows? Somebody that was cutting people ears off, that was so ready to say, I am here for you, Lord. I am your Savior. Somebody that had all of this strength, all of this energy. And, 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 and when it finally came to it, a little lady asked him, ain't you one of them ones that was with him? Nope, that ain't me. Uh-uh, I ain't got nothing to do with it. Somebody else said, "Ah, uh, no, man, quit bothering me. I don't know that dude. It just kept going off and off like this. He denied him three times before the rooster crows. Three times, which lets me know that although Simon said I'm ready, he wasn't really ready. Why do I tell you this? Because many of you have come to God and you've given your life to God and you've said, Lord, I'm ready. But the reality is that life hits you so hard, things come from the left and right and it catches you off guard and you're not ready. You don't know what it is that you're supposed to do. And that's why God gives us a fellowship that we're supposed to belong to and be willing to serve at. I'm not asking everybody to stand on the stage and sing. I'm not ask, asking everybody to usher and greet because some of y'all are too mean. Y'all can't smile and y'all don't need to be telling nobody how. It's just bottom line. I understand. But there are people who serve behind the scenes that do things that make things happen. Where I'm not running around looking like I'm crazy. And the reality is that all of us do our part. And when we all do our part, things flow together so well. There, can I be honest with y'all? I was, I had fun being a sinner. I ain't going to lie to y'all. If we just, I'm sorry. If y'all was looking for one of them pastors that graduated from DTS and been saved and sanctified since he was nine, preached his first sermon at eight. No, that ain't me. I was cool. I was at Club Shay and everywhere else. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That was me. I was the dude with the expedition with the green neon lights that parked at the front that I wanted everybody to see, paid extra money just to park. That was me. And I was cool with it. My life was fine. But when I gave my life to Christ, the only thing that keeps me where I am is that I can faithfully serve him. If I stop serving God, I think the old folks used to say it like this, an idle mind is a devil workshop. If I stop serving God, there's nothing to keep me going from going back to who I used to be. It's my service to God that keeps me sane. It's my service to God that gives me structure that allows me to stay in the will of God. And so I think God knew that this boy going to lose his mind if I don't give him some major responsibility, which is why he said, I'm going to put you up here, big dog. I'm going to let you deliver the word and teach the word. He gave me the, and he knows I take things seriously. And as a result of it, I'm faithful to this. Many people struggle just to get up at 8.30, to get to the 8.30 service or the 10.30 service. I'm here at 6.30 in the morning making sure things get right. I'm not looking for somebody to pat me on the back. I just know the level of service that's required to honor God. I serve God because I love God. And that's what I want to encourage you guys to do, because if you can get to the point where you're willing to love God so much that you're willing to serve him with inside of these walls, you'll be amazed at how much it will magnify your life on the outside of these walls. And you'll be amazed at how when God asks you to speak to somebody, you don't have to be ashamed to speak to him. When God tells you to, to pray for somebody, you don't have to be ashamed to pray for him. It's, it's, it's amazing. The, this week, me and um, Sean, y'all know Sean, he was at first service today. Um, we went to uh, 
We went to the gas station. We do this every morning before we go to work. We went to the gas station, filled up the truck, and it was my time to buy whatever it is. We usually keep some sunflower seeds and water just to snack as we go. So it was my time to buy. So I went up there by the show and was like, he was so happy that he tied it this past week, and he got a blessing, and he was like, you know what? I'm a, I got it this time, Pastor, and he wanted to beat me on the giving. He, wanted, he understood that when I give, now I get blessed, so I'm going to beat you, Pastor. And so I was like, no, nah, this is my time. You ain't taking my blessing home, boy. Keep that. And so he went ahead and paid for it anyway. And I said, oh, you think you're funny. I'm going to one-up you. So the cashier, I turned around and said, hey, keep this 20. That's yours. And she was just so happy. And he looked at me like, boy, what you doing? And I gave it. But you know what? I never would have been able to be a blessing to that young lady's life from what God had spoken, told me to do, had I not been putting it into practice in this church. And I not realize that this thing doesn't control me. And so as a result of it, I can share it and God can bless me. Things can work out and things can provide. The only way that I can be able to be used by God outside of this place, if I learn to be confident enough to be used by him in this place. And so that's what I want to talk to you guys about today is why do we have to serve? How do we, how do we serve? What does it build within us? How do we be able to move forward? And the reason why I think that you need to understand that, that you need to serve more than anything else is because, I'm, and this is not even on the points, the one thing that I want to make sure that you understand is that serving is the one thing that helps you restore you to who you're supposed to be. I need you to really understand that. Simon Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asked Simon Peter, do you love me? How many times? Three times. When Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Jesus was actually voiding out the denial that Simon had prior. I want to help you because before all of us said yes to Christ, we denied him. In some way, form of action, our actions have denied him. And so there are times when God calls you to be of service. What he's doing is counseling out who you are. Because for some of you, what's holding you back from being who God has called you to be is because you're steady worried about who you used to be. You're steady worried about what people are going to say about you. How can somebody be the voice for God that denied God three times, that denied him publicly in front of people? How in the world could you be the voice for God? But God says, I don't care what you did. I'm going to show them what I'm about to do with you. And I want to help you understand that the reason why it's so important for you to serve is because God wants to do something amazing with you. Have you forgot that Simon Peter, the same one that denied him, is the same one that led thousands of people to the church in Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2 never would have happened had Jesus not reminded Simon that the reason that you serve is because you love me. That's the reason. Simon can get all frustrated. He can get all bothered about it, however he wants to. But the reality is that God used that moment to help him understand that the reason why you're going to do what I'm asking you to do is because you love me. This is what I want to suggest today. Before, Simon was willing to cut off people's ear because he needed him. I want to make sure that you understand needing someone and loving someone is two totally different things. I need you to, I need you to really understand that. Needing someone is putting yourself in a position where you're vulnerable. And the only reason I'm going to do what I need to do is because I don't want you to leave me. Some of us husbands, I'm going to be honest, the only reason we do what we're supposed to do is because we ain't cook. We can't wash clothes and we need somebody. But the reality is when you love someone, you want to make things a little easier easier on them. You want to do your part. You want to find out how can I not just take from you, but I can pour into you. If you're in a relationship that's a needy relationship, that is a relationship that will drain the living life out of you. You will lose yourself. You will lose your identity. And as a result of it, you will not grow. It's like a leech. All they do is want to suck the blood out of you. We don't need to be in relationships where people are just trying to drain us. We have to be in relationships 
relationships where people are willing to pour into us. And so Jesus essentially is changing Simon's position. Jesus is saying, listen, I don't need you to be in a position where you always need a blessing from me, where you always need a miracle from me. I need you now to be the blesser. I need you now to speak on my behalf. I need you now to be the voice. Many of us are in the church and all we do is take, take, take. But God is calling you to be in a position where you want to give. Can I help you understand that the scripture says that you will be the lender and not the borrower? That you will be the head and not the tail? How many of you don't understand that you don't always have to be at the back? God wants to bring you out and do some amazing things with you. If you're in the same situation now that you've been in for the last three years, there's two things that need to happen. One or two things. Either you need to find another church because I'm not helping you. Or you need to figure out and get it together. Because something has to change. Can I help you understand the only reason? Let me make sure I got this right. 13, 14 years, whatever it is, them 10 years I've been married is uh, because of the fact that I got it together. I would be lying to y'all to say if my wife didn't ever call a divorce lawyer. At some point in time in this relationship, she plotted and planned and was ready to go. That, I'm just being honest. With you, I don't need no amens right now. Do you want to testify? I'm just, I'm trying to make sure that you understand. The only reason that we've made it this long is that at some point I got it together. I made it a decision that you know what? I love you enough that I need to change some of my ways. I need to do some things better, and and that's what Jesus is doing with Simon Peter. He's having a conversation because if you don't do right here, Peter, I might have to find somebody else. Peter, I told you to go share my gospel, and, and you collected a group of my people and went fishing with them. You are naturally a leader. People will naturally follow you. But listen, if you're not going to be a help, then all I can see you is as a hindrance. And so I think it's amazing that Jesus pulls Simon Peter to the side after breakfast. He pulls him to the side, and he just has a one-on-one conversation with him. Peter, I know you. You better than this. Do you love me? And the first thing that I love that he does, and then we'll get our editor to get up in here, is the first question that he asks him is different from the latter two. The first question that he asks him in verse 15 of John chapter 21 says it like this. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? That more than these, those additional words that were added, they're not on the latter two verses of when he asked, do you love me? So I, I want you to understand that it's very important that he didn't do this by accident. And the reason why he asked him, do you love me more than these, what he's asking him, are you willing to serve me with conviction? That's the first thing that he's asking them. Are you willing to serve me with Conviction, point number one. And the reason why this is so important that you understand that he's asking them this because he says, will you love me more than these? Will you love me more than your job? Will you love me more than your boo? Will you love me more than this fish on the grill? Will you love me more than the money that I'm going to put in your pocket? Will you love me more than a blessing? Because if you love all of that more than you love me, you'll never serve me. 
Pastor, what are you saying? The number one reason why many of you will not serve in the church is because there's some things that you love more than God. I'm sorry. It's just the reality. It's just the reality. And as long as in your life there's something above God, you will never be the believer that God has called you to be. We can't get next to step B until we get over step A. You're wondering why am I not reaching my full potential? Why isn't God using me the way that I know that he can use me? He can't use anyone that puts things before him. What do you mean, Pastor? You, some of us put our jobs before God. Some of us put our friends before God. Some of us put weekend rest before God. It's amazing how we call it weekend rest, but all we're doing is running the streets. We can go everywhere else except the house of the Lord. Do you love me more than these? If you're going to be an individual that's willing to serve God, I need you to understand that true service comes with a level of conviction that tells you that God is the most important thing in my life. Can I help you understand why God needs to be the most important thing of your life? It's directly connected to how God's going to bless you. The Word of God says it like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all other righteousness shall be added unto you. Righteousness is everything that you think God wants to provide. If you think God wants to make you a millionaire, if you think God wants you to give you a spouse, if you think God wants to give you a promotion, all that good stuff that God wants to bless you with, you don't focus on it. You focus on God. That's why many of us miss the blessing. We're focusing on the wrong thing. And I could just see Jesus just laying out more than these. And some of us literally, if Jesus came in the room and just laid it out, do you love me more than Instagram? Do you love me more than the million dollars? Do you love me more than Bitcoin? Do you love me more than your friend? All these things, many of us will struggle. We will be like the rich young ruler. Jesus, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I know I love you, but does my love really require me to give up things that matter to me? Was it not his love that gave up his only begotten son? But it's not his love that made the sacrifice so that we can have everlasting life. There has to be a conviction that says, I love you more than these. We see Abraham prove his love for God when he takes Isaac to the altar. His only son, he had to understand. God said, through Isaac, I will bless you. You will be a father of many nations. Great things will happen through Isaac. And essentially when Isaac takes and puts him on, when when, uh, Abraham takes and puts him on the altar and the ram comes in the bush, catch this, the ram would never have been present had he not put him on the altar. Y'all, see, y'all ain't no real church because that should have changed some things in your life. The blessing that God will never give you will never be present until you're willing to release the things that you have. You're asking for the man or woman that God wants you to have, but you're still holding on to this fool that's been holding you back. You're asking for the job that God wants you to have, but you will not have enough faith and confidence to walk off the one he told you to walk away. You're asking for this business that he's asking you to build, but you don't have a confidence to fill out a loan application. You're steady asking, but what are you going to give? What are you going to give? I hate preaching about my wife because it shows that she's right, but she told me one day, she told me one day I was talking to her and and she was, I kept asking, you know, husbands, y'all know how we do. We sit in our favorite chair and we playing our video game. We're watching our game and it's like, baby, can you bring me this? Baby, can you bring me that? And the kids, if you got kids, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And, and she looked at me and she said, when am I going to be able to do it? I was like, what? When am I going to be able to ask you to bring me something? When am I going to? I said, well, you never ask. If you ask, I'll, 
I'll do it. And so, again, that's another thing that's changing my life. Now I just get up and turn the fan on myself now if I want to turn the fan on. I, I, I do what I got to do. I did not know it was a real problem. When are you going to be able to put in so that you can receive? You know, the one thing I love about playing catch with my son, it, I, I teach him that he has to throw the ball, and instantly that he throws the ball, in order for him to catch the ball, he has to let it go. I cannot throw it back to you if you're not willing to let it go. Eventually, you're going to have too much on your plate. And we always get stressed about God putting more on us than we can bear. We don't want him to put more on us than he can bear. So why don't you let some of it go? Do you love me more than these? All of us need to go home and create a list of things that have held us back from doing what God has asked us to do, that has kept us from serving God in the way that he's called us to serve. And you got to ask yourself, do you love him more than those? Today, I had my son's football game moved up 12 o'clock in Weatherford. It was not a complex decision for me to tell them, hey, I'm not going to be there. Everybody else can be there, but I ain't going to be there. Why? Because I love him more than that. I understand that. I understand as a result of it, I have a level of responsibility to serve. Now, had I been selfish, if somebody else would have been standing here preaching while I'm out there coaching my son, doing my thing, but I understand that what God has called me to do, it gives me a level of conviction that it's the most important thing that I have to do. It's the most important thing that I have to do. The second thing that we have to understand is that when we're dealing with, with understanding that serving is a struggle, that we move from serving with conviction, well, the next thing that we have to understand is that we have to serve. Serving requires commitment. Serve with commitment. Jesus asked him again, Simon Peter, do you love me? Simon says yes. And, Simon, and this is what he does. The first time he tells him, he trusts him with the little sheep. He says, tend to my lambs. The second time he changes the, the transformation that we see in there now is shepherd my sheep. That's the second thing that we asked him, he asked us to do, shepherding the sheep. And in order to understand the value of this particular passage of Scripture, you got to understand what it means to shepherd. you got to understand what is the requirements of a shepherd. I did not know a lot about shepherds until I started studying them. I, I learned that most of them live in a trailer, that most of them, they, they go wherever the sheep have to go. It's them and their dog. They make sure that they take the sheep to green pastures so that they can eat, which gives value to when Jesus says that he, 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 take, he leads me to green pastures, he restores my soul. He, it brings me value because then he says they, they, uh, he lets them drink from still waters. I didn't understand the importance of drinking from still waters until I learned that sheep have real sensitive ears. And if the waters are running too much, they, they, all they can hear is that noise. And as a result of it, they can't hear things when it creeps up on them. And so they don't know how to get away. And so I learned a lot about the responsibility to shepherd something. And this this is what God has shown me, that if you're called to shepherd something, there are two things that you have to understand. you got to love it enough that you will provide for it and that you're willing to protect it. That's the question. Do you love it enough that I'm willing to provide for it and I'm willing to protect it? Many of us will not serve because we don't have that level of commitment to understanding that even if nobody else shows up, I'm willing to show up. Even if nobody else does their part, I'm willing to do my part. The reason why we don't have that level of commitment, because we're so busy watching everybody else. Yeah. We're so busy watching everybody else. I got a driver on one of my jobs, and um, one of my jobs, I'm part of Jamaican, and I just, <laughs> so I got a driver on one of my jobs, and um, he sent me a message and said, I think it's time that I got to find another job. I was like, man, I don't know. I mean, tell me why. He was like, because today uh, you got three drivers at work, and I'm the only one routed uh, to work. Everybody else just dumping cans from the yard. And I was like, okay, well, the problem is that 
The other two guys that are helping you today that are at work, it's not their weekend to work. They volunteered to come in to help us clear the yard so that we can build customers. Your day is this day. So I cannot assign them extra things to do when they volunteer to do what they're doing. He was so upset and ready to walk out on everything that he has because he couldn't stop looking at everybody else. Can I help you understand? If you waste your time looking at everybody else, you will totally miss what God is doing for you and through you. You will be, how many times have you walked out of something that was for you because you felt like somebody else was benefiting more than you? We have to get to a point where we understand that my job is to do my part. Why? Because I'm called to provide for it and protect it. You know why I go to work? Not because I love it. Because I have a family that I have to provide for and I have to protect. I used to be the best person at quitting jobs. I'm, I was straight gangster at quitting jobs. You say one thing out of line to me, I will tell you where you can go. I got a CDL. Everybody need me. I don't need to be here, homeboy, and walk out and be gone, and we'll never look back. Wasn't until I had them kids that my vocabulary changed. <laughs> it changed because now I have something that I have to provide for, and I have to protect. I look back the other day, going on five years, and told myself, man, I've been in this too long. I can't leave now. 401, I got to kick in and get good. I got I to gotta stick in this thing and see how things are going to play out because I have something that I have to provide for and I have to protect. When I did not have them, I had nothing I cared about. And so as a result of it, my behavior was different. Can I suggest today that the reason why some of us behavior is different on the outside is because we have nothing that we care about on the inside. We have nothing that we care about on the inside that we're willing to provide for and that we're willing to protect. We have no level of responsibility, and that's why many of us won't serve, because as long as I'm not responsible, then I'm not required to do anything. I don't, I'm not required to pray at home if I'm, not, if I'm not responsible to do anything at the church. I'm not required to make sure that I don't post things on Instagram if I'm not responsible for anything at the church. The one thing that I love about the serving at the church is it gives me a level of responsibility. Y'all think it's, it's a joke. I put that Believer City on the back of my car to help me stay in line because people will cut me off and I will go off because they cut me off. But I remember I got that bumper sticker, so I behave a little bit better. Uh, I don't just print shirts to wear them. It keeps me in line. Y'all better ask somebody about me, man. I, I will tell somebody in a minute. I got a couple coaches in here from football. First season I was in football, I got into it with them because I wasn't a coach. It was my, my son was playing, and I didn't feel like things was going far. And it was another pastor there, and he come up to talk to me. Pastor, you need to calm down. And at that very moment, I told him, listen, homeboy, I'm a daddy right now. I ain't no pastor up in here. I want to make sure you understand because I'm going to provide for mine, and I'm going to protect mine. But the more I got involved and the more I started living for God, I understood that the conduct, my behavior had to change. But I did not learn that until I started putting that thing into work. And so Jesus asked Simon Peter, do you love me? And he does so, and he does so in a way that he says, I need you to, to shepherd my sheep. He puts him in a place that says, I have a level of responsibility for you. You bringing these boys out here fishing and you are all wrong. You're taking them out of my will because you won't stay in my will. Can I help you understand that God has blessed you to be a leader in some way, form, or fashion? And as a result of that, there is a responsibility that comes with it that you have to live the life that God has called you to live. You have to do the things that God has called you to do. But if you don't want to, I understand. Just know that it means that you don't love him more than these. That you don't love him enough that you're willing to sacrifice and say, Lord, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to do my part 
in your place versus doing what I want to do. The last and final principle that we understand, that once we know that serving requires conviction, serving requires commitment, we understand that we have to serve with confidence. It's one thing that I want to make sure that you understand before you leave here today is that everyone that leaves here has to serve with confidence. Does that mean that you know everything? No. But it does mean that you have to know without a doubt that you're willing to do what God is asking you to do. I love what happens because the difference in verse, in the, in the, in verse 17 versus verse 16 and verse 15. In verse 15, the difference was he said more than these. In verse 16, he asked them to shepherd the sheep. He gives them a position of leadership. In verse 17, now he asked him to tend to the sheep. He asked him to tend to the sheep. And I, and I got, got some things about tending to the sheep because sheep, I didn't understand that they, just as much as they have to deal with predators, they have pests, things that infect them and parasites that get them that you got to watch and you got to monitor and you really got to take care of. So I, it helped me understand that just as much as we got problems on the outside, we got some problems on the inside, that we have some things that we have to deal on, on the inside. But the thing that I got more out of that particular text is that at the third time that Jesus asked him, he got mad. The Bible says that he got upset, he got frustrated, and he was wondering, why did you ask me three times if I loved you? You know all things, so you know that I love you. So what I get from this particular scripture is that at this point, it's finally set in for Simon. Yes, I love you. And as a result of me loving you, whatever it is that you need me to do, I'm going to do it. I don't care what it is, what you ask me to do, I'm going to do it because I love you. It's just the bottom line. It's like my son asking me to give him dinner when he just got home from school and I just walked in the door. I know you got to eat, boy. Just wait. You think I'm going to let you go? I'm bigger than you. I got to eat too. Just wait. Because I love you, I'm going to feed you. You don't even have to worry about anything else. I got you. Have I ever let you down? I'm here for you. And so here it is. Simon is like, Jesus, you don't have to ask me this no more. I am confident in my ability to love you. And as a result, I'm going to serve you. Why are you telling me this? Because I need some of you to build up your confidence. I need some of you to build up your confidence and realize you are good enough. You're good enough. If you can't hit the right note, so what? I hit the wrong note every week. I don't care. I don't look at y'all. I don't care if I'm the loudest person in the room. So it's between me and God. It ain't got nothing to do with you. Build up your confidence. Build up your confidence. I'm sorry that people have put you down. I'm sorry that people have talked about you. I'm sorry that people have said you're unattractive, that you're big. I'm sorry that people have said that you don't speak well. I'm sorry. But can I help you understand? God always uses broken people to build things. That's the reality. God always uses broken people to build things. So you're in the best place being broken. You're in the best place that God can utilize you and help make things happen. Your marriage is in the best place if it's broken because it's the best place to invite God in to allow him to do his thing. Your finances is the best place if it's broken because it's the best place to invite God in and allow him to do his things. God does amazing things with broken things. But you have to have enough confidence in who you are and who God is so that you can receive everything that God has for you. The reason why many of us will never serve is because we lack confidence. We lack confidence. I had a meeting with a couple of our, our leaders yesterday and got them ready for the season and the direction we came. And I ain't going to tell you who they are, but I called two of them out and I said, from this season on, y'all need to speak up. I don't, I don't want to see y'all holding back on what God has for you. 
because I know that God has great things coming out of you. Y'all say things behind the scene that makes all the sense. I'm giving you the authority to do what you need to do because God, I believe in you. God believes in you. And now all I need you to do is believe in yourself. That is the mission of our church to encourage people to believe in God, believe in themselves and believe in others. If we're not building people to believe, then we're in trouble. And so I love what Simon Peter gets to experience in this text because Simon Peter essentially is restored from being a traitor to now being a servant. This is the last time that Jesus will present himself to the disciples physically on earth. It's the last time. And the last thing that he says to Simon Peter in this particular passage of Scripture is that I need you to lead by example. I need you to stop being the person that always wants to receive, and I need you to be the person that wants to give. And the reason by being is because I'm going to do some great things with you if you allow me to. The reason why you have to get to a point of being willing to serve is because God wants to do some great things with you if you allow him to. God wants to take you to whole new levels. God wants to open greater doors. Just, but the order for it to happen is that you have to be willing to serve. I'm not asking everybody to come ask Pastor Chris, can I have a mic? Because I'm going to tell you, no. Why don't you pick up a broom before you pick up a mic? Let me see how you sing with that broom in your hand first. There are things that we can do. All of us, there are skills that we have that we need to use for God. And it provides us structure. It provides us strength and sanity to honor God and serve God in the way that we're supposed to. If we don't start serving in the church, then it's going to be impossible for us to serve him outside of the church. And so my prayer, my cry, is that we begin to live a life of service. I'm not expecting everybody to say, you know what, Pastor, what ministry do I got to be in? What do you want me to do? I I don't know what's your time frame. Things are going to happen, but I want to make sure that you know that your strength for what you're going to do when you leave here is built on what you're willing to do when you're here. That's all I want to suggest is that God wants to do more through you to you and through you, but it happens when you begin to put yourself in the right place to serve God. Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows your heart to do so. Uh, You can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.